I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Wow, comics can sure be triggering, and that's why this episode comes with a trigger warning for potentially upsetting subject matter. Go ahead and check the show notes at bitchesoncomics.com to find out more. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. My name is Sarah Century. I am a popular high school cheerleader whose new boyfriend, Michael, might be the love of my life. Dinosaurs. <laughs> Dinosaurs. That's really the, the selling part for me. In the holy city of Tova, the winter solstice is usually a time for celebration and renewal. But this year it coincides with a solar eclipse, a rare celestial event prescribed by the sun priest as an unbalancing of the world. Meanwhile, a ship launches from a distant city bound for Tova. The captain of the ship, S.E., that's me, is a disgraced teak whose song can calm the waters around them as easily as it can warp a man's mind. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. We got a question from Quinn today. Thanks, Quinn. Such a good listener. The question is, thoughts on the Black Magic series? Question mark, question mark. 
queer witch murder detective magic question mark question mark (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate the enthusiasm behind the question marks you can just see the eyebrows right like what do you think of that (laughs) well i'll tell you yes we will quinn we will tell you (laughs) okay well first off sarah had you read black magic before this question I had not, actually. I have read a lot of Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott's work. They are both good at things. And I have read tons, 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 tons of Greg Rucka's comics, honestly, because he worked on, what, Gotham Central, Batwoman, one million other things. Um, (laughs) Old Guard, uh, Stumptown. Just, like, endless stuff, right? A bunch of stuff that got turned into media properties, too, right? Mm-hmm. He adapted The Old Guard, so he was the, I believe, he was the writer as well for the film. Thanks a bunch, buddy. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Charlize Theron playing, you know, a very queer, unkillable goddess of qu- uh-huh. sorts. I like, I like. Yeah, I think everybody was really fine with that. And also, <laughs> wasn't that like... <laughs> I think everybody was a fan with that. <laughs> Nobody was. I mean, I'm sure somebody was mad about it, right? But like all of the gays were just like heart eyes. Um, <laughs> whatever, Charlize Theron, you're just good in everything. Step on my neck. I love to watch you be in movies. Yeah. <laughs> and agreed. also please step on my neck. <clears throat> what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> The question was, have you read it and what do you think? So just for anyone who hasn't read it, Black Magic, the writer is Greg Recca, art by Nicola Scott, color assist by Chiara Arena, letters by Jody Wynn, just so you know the creative team. The basic concept is that there is this very old coven in Portsmouth, which Portsmouth is in New Hampshire? Sure. I mean, yeah, it sounds New Hampshire-y. You know what, friends? I don't know. I'm not from port places so i don't know how write in tell us how to say thing uh yeah so they're based in it seems to me on the east coast or something they're they're somewhere and you know there's this coven of witches they're all like super hot because it's a nicola scott comic (laughs) they're so hot yeah oh my god so hot it's overwhelming they're like wearing like sheer nighty cloaks or whatever it's just like oh (laughs) my you're just like oh (laughs) I, I like this. Tits in the background, yeah. tits in the foreground. Like, like, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it the reason it's a little hard to, to describe the sort of world building is that it unfolds really organically and really naturally over three volumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's like 16 comic issues, which makes sense, right? And kind of starts in the middle, right? It's totally like... Uh, yeah. Here we are. Go. And I like that. I mean, that's always I loved me, a fun it. way. Yeah. It's also totally a Greg Rucka thing, right? Like, I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of his comics be like, okay, we're starting now. <laughs> no, yeah. just and we're in. Let's go. go. Yeah. Explain along the way. Yeah. And I'm with you. I, I really, really like that. Um, so, you know, our main character is Rowan Black. She is a witch who has been reincarnated many times. I believe it's reincarnation. If you're further in the comic, you might know. Anything that I've right. read, at least I didn't remember reading anything that describes it in super detail. I know the second volume, I think it starts with issue six, opens with talking about her as a child. That's where we get a lot of that sense. But regardless, Mm -hmm. they remember their past lives. And so these are witches who have been burned at the stake, who have been hunted down by witch hunters time and time again, and they remember it all. 
which is wild. <laughs> ah! And they also have a very cool command of magic. It is really cool. The different spells they use are neat. The greatest thing to me about this comic is the art. Nicola Scott, oh my God. <laughs> what, what, what? I love that it's predominantly, you know, black, white, grayscale, but then certain things that they want to highlight have color in them. So there's a point where Rowan blushes and you get just like the slightest of blush on her cheeks. When magic wards go up, when magic is being used, these grays are just like infused with whimsical blues and greens and purples. And it's just like, what? It is so, so good. It's so good. The art is out of this world. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying it, right? Like, this is just good. I have been reading Nicola Scott, I think maybe since The Birds of Prey, which I think was her first series. And yeah, I mean, so good back then, you know? So this is just kind of watching it go a little bit further. And it's nice to see kind of more of an experimental take, right? Because to me, it seems like it didn't really have to be in black and white. So I appreciated the choice because I do think it adds a lot to the storytelling as it goes along. It really does. I, I think it's so carefully wrought. You know, mm -hmm. there's so much work goes into this, so much thought about how each panel is going to be framed, so much thought about where to use the colors, where to withhold. And like issues will go where there is no color. Several issues in a row. There'll be like no or very little color. And then it'll just explode onto the page. And you're just like, what? It's so, so beautiful. I also want to talk a little bit about another piece of the art that to me, I think is critical to the overall witchy feel of the comic, which is the lettering by, again, Jody Wynn. Mm -hmm. It is so good. The lettering is so good. So the H's all have like a different slant to them. They're very haunting. The mm -hmm. S's are all very spooky. It's like, what? Like you've made such incredible lettering happen that I feel like it becomes more witchy when I see the lettering on the page. That is so exciting and it looks so good and it's so interesting. I really, really, really can't speak highly enough about the, the cumulative effect of the art, the different pieces of the art, I am a huge, huge fan. Yeah, visually it is a very, very nice book. And the covers all look really good too. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And, you know, I will say it's about a cop. She's a detective. Part of her deal is she's like on the force to sort of be like the magical insider. I hate that part. I hate that she's a cop. I don't need it. I don't need cops in my fiction. I truly don't. I'm Especially not like yeah. good guy cops. And like she literally, it. yeah, at the end of volume one, she literally kills a man of color as a cop in a street shooting. It is so fucked up. I am also going to say that like there's so much cops and like yes. <laughs> writing. It's like all cops forever. I like that some of his characters leave the forest. I mean, I think that Renee Montoya gets exponentially more interesting whenever she leaves the forest, you know? That might be like the end all be all, right? That's what I was going to say, exactly. But, but like, I mean, that's the thing too, right? Is, is like a lot of times in these stories, even that is glorified because it's like, oh, I'm just walking away because there's like lines I won't cross or whatever. And it's just like, but they're never like the lines that we see in the real world, right? It's always just yeah. like, yeah, and I'm going to go do magic on my own time. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. That's a little bit different than 
you know, everybody in the force is uh, corrupt as fuck. Yeah. I get the impulse to use cops because detective stories are really interesting. They have great rhythm. It does so much work for you immediately. It does so right? much work because for you in terms of like, a formula. You yeah, you're like, okay, well, this is why this person is at all of the places I need them to be because they have this job. But it's like, hey, listen to me. How about this? Firefighter. They could just be a firefighter. Or how about this? They could be a doctor or a vet technician or like literally almost anything. You know, Alex from the Good, the Bad, the Basic pod and I were talking about propaganda, and she made the point, and I think it's just so fucking smart, which is that like really good detectives actually make really good money because they're private eyes. They don't yeah. work as cops. They make good money by doing cops jobs privately. And it's yeah. like, so if you wanted to have an excellent detective, like they could be a PI. They could work on their own time. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, I'm going to say, going back to another Rucka work, I think that's why Stumptown is so good is because it is someone who's not working within the system wholly. Is there still some propaganda in there? Yes, of course. As, again, this is another running theme for Rucka, like some, it's military propaganda. You know, there's so much positive representations of military, people who are in it or have been in it or, or whatever. Right, yeah. Which, of course, yeah, that is totally a running theme. We even talked about that a couple of times already. Just in his overall writing. I was texting Sarah and I was like, damn it, I love this fucking comic. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. And that's because I'm able to suspend some disbelief there. But I also know that that is a, you know, a position of privilege, absolutely, first and foremost. And second... Only to a degree, you know? Mm -hmm. I can't recommend this comic wholeheartedly without talking about the representation of the cops in it. At least saying that. Yeah. One thing for me is I have been around, like, practicing occultists and witches for much of my life, and they would not appreciate. <laughs> there are certain things that they would not appreciate. Um but, like, I mean, that are common, right? People tell, like, witch stories because they've seen movies about witches, right? And it's mm -hmm. just, like, um, when you actually know people who are occultists or, you know, witches of any kind. Then Pagan, Wiccan, like, yeah, any of that. It's just, like... There's a, certainly a lot of nuance that I think these stories tend to miss and also a lot of diversity that these mm -hmm. stories tend to miss um, in witch communities. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's just something I think. And it's something that pops up again and again. Actually, I was just talking. Well, I didn't really talk about it, but I thought about it a lot when I was watching WandaVision, right? Because like Agatha is such a stereotypical like Disney villain, right? And the way that they portray witches in it is very interesting to me. As somebody who, once again, I wouldn't consider myself a witch, but I have known them in my life. And their belief system is not what movies make it out to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Popular representations of witches are like, mm, would, would, we, would we say that's how that works? And in fact, yeah. we would not. However, there's some intriguing aspects of black magic. And I, I really enjoy the way that there's these very old yet young witches. I like the reincarnation aspect. I like the idea that... Mm -hmm. I always have, like, lots of questions about that, especially reincarnation by white people. I'm always like, tell me more. Like, where – what do you What do you mean? <laughs> what, what do you mean by mean? that exactly, I wonder? <laughs> um, but, you know, I, again, like, 
the design's cool. The way that they interact is cool. There is a familiar in it that is really cool. You don't really find out about the familiar till volume two, but the familiar is super dope. I love it. I like the art. The art is just, honestly, it's some of the best art I've I've seen in a long time. And, you know, I think I say that a lot, but I think it's because I read really good comics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is – it's amazing. And, you know, in, in Quinn's question, Quinn noted that Nicola hand-painted all of the art. And I can totally see that on the page. There's so much depth. It's almost magical the way it looks on the page because of that hand-painted quality. And as an artist, Sarah, I'm curious if you have thoughts on why that is. I mean, it's just something different, right? I feel like a lot of times there will be people who – take very strong sides, you know, like, oh, well, this was done by hand, this was done digitally, you know, or something like that. And to me, it's like, it just kind of seems from what I can see here to be the natural progression of her individual style, right? And it's something where we get to see her just kind of moving around more and fleshing out things a little bit more than she was before, because, you know, it used to be in color. And here she has kind of more room to focus on what her line work is and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that there's a smoothness to it. It's not necessarily what I would say new, because I think that like her work is classically very smooth, but like, it does seem like it's gotten more and more comfortable as time has gone on, right? Which is something that is always nice to see in artists when they kind of just improve over time. So I would say that a lot of the depth has to do with the way that good old brush and ink looks as opposed to using maybe nibs and pens and like that kind of stuff. But obviously, no matter what you use or what your style is, you can do incredible work, you know, but this does look unique because of the way that she approached it, right? Yeah. And and I completely agree. I'm so glad you made that point. I wasn't even thinking about the what I think is quite banal and and pointless argument about, you know, digital versus by hand art. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I don't even care about that argument. It rages still, but it really yeah. doesn't need to. Um, <laughs> exactly. Because there's there's tons of great stuff, right? Yes. And also, I do want to emphasize that, like, this is a person who, like, I believe from what I remember, her very first work as an artist was on Birds of Prey with Gail Simone. So, like... Oh, wow. That is quite a place to start, you know? So this is somebody who's always been very, very good. But I do like to see how she's just kind of played to all of her strengths here. Yeah. And I think that's why we haven't talked about the plot as much. I think we both have different bones to pick with it. I don't love the weird, is she attracted to her partner on the force? Is she attracted to her partner in witchcraft? Is she, you know, I'm like, who cares? Like, just let her live her life. Oh, my God. But whenever she goes to visit her at school, whenever she's, like, teaching her class, the kindergarten class, it's so cute. I was just like, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen, actually. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was weird that, like, you know, Rucka loves to write queer women. So there's, like, a weird point where her partner from the police force asks if her partner, if they're sleeping together, and she, like, laughs at his face. And so I was also like, "I, I don't even know what that means. I don't know. Like, there's just some things that, yeah, we've discussed all the lowlights. So I think those are things we keep in mind when we're reading it. I will say, like, I think this is a very interesting comic. We typically, whenever we have 
either a comic of the week or if we're doing a question. For the most part, Sarah and I have a general rule of thumb that we'll read the first volume to make sure we'd like, really, we're not reading an issue. We want to make sure we're reading enough to have a sense of what's going on. So I, I got to the end of volume one and and I was like, well, not ready for this to end. Volume two. <laughs> read it. Yeah. So I feel like that's a testament to how much I, I really do think is is strong in it. Mm-hmm. I also really love comics. I hate ending a comic. I'm like, wait, I'm ready for the next issue. This one was especially fun to read for most of the journey, I would say. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about it. But then there's definitely a few like moments where I'm like, this reminds me of other times (laughs) that I've read Greg Rucka comics. (laughs) Yep. 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 Yeah. I think that it has a really cool plot. And again, I think, you know, what we said at the beginning that I think holds true is that it lets its world building unfold in such a natural way that it's really enjoyable, really almost almost irresistible in a sense because it's so thoughtful and intriguing and you're like, wait, what? And I'm a sucker for world building. So like at one point, Rowan's friend, the other witch, does a spell and something completely unexpected happens. They don't explain it. They're just like, because they're all like, what? This doesn't ever happen. I don't know what that could have been. Like, what just happened? Like, what, what, what? And I'm a sucker for that. Everybody being confused. I'm like, yes, sign me up. I can't wait to see what happens from here. Um, So yeah, I think it's, again, highs and lows, exceptional art. I think if you want to see an example of lettering, done mm-hmm. in a really powerful way that really frankly like highlights the themes that are being dealt with in a play like this is one of those interesting story very cool characters could definitely be like a tv series for sure oh god would watch probably already definitely. under contract exactly right <laughs> and it's just a fun comic it really is fun to read it was like such a breeze so oh yeah flew past so thank you so much for the question quinn we always appreciate you and and everybody else if there is a comic you're reading that you're like wow i like this or hmm i liked some parts and this part you know made me wonder shoot us a question or i hated this you yeah. can ask us that question too if you want <laughs> yeah. if you want to be like you know what i really uh didn't like this comic um let's talk about it sometimes we'll engage with that <laughs> sometimes if we really like the comic it might we might not be able to because i mean you know yeah, but we're open and we want to hear from you. We consider Bitches on Comics to be our podcast and yours. And we look forward to all the many conversations we're going to continue having. So thank you all so much. Hey, everybody. Did you know that we have a Patreon like so, so many podcasts do? But what's special about ours other than it just being us, which is also pretty special just as it is if you ask me but if you need more we have a few different ongoing series for instance we always do comic reviews so you always every single week get 10 minutes 15 minutes of extra just us talking about a comic randomly and then there is the nick cage series that we do where we just talk about (laughs) nick cage movies we've done a mandy we've done ghost rider and we're like fuck it let's do them all (laughs) let's just talk about so many nick cage movies because they're really fun to talk about and I'm going to do Ghost Rider Corner, which I already once again started a long time ago and I'm just now telling you in an official voice because before, very haphazard. Now we've got it together. So $2, 
$5, you join us at any level and then you get all of the content. So the way that you got to do this is to go www.patreon.com slash bitches on comics, spell it out. And it's 18 plus, but that's just because we say the word fuck a lot. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, listeners of Bitches on Comics. I am Tina Horn, the host and producer of the podcast, Why Are People Into That? I'm also the writer slash creator of a comic book series, Safe Sex, because I have to be like a slashy multi-hyphenate in everything I do, apparently. Safe Sex, or SFSX for short, is a very queer science fiction action-adventure comic book series, so really relevant to your interests. Since you love Bitches on Comics as much as I do, I feel pretty confident that you're a fan of podcasts where queers discuss sexuality, gender, politics, and creativity. Why are people into that? My podcast is all that and a bag of kinky chips. It's mostly a show about sex, kink, gender, and love, but because it's my show about sex, kink, gender, and love, we've had episodes about vampires and cannibalism and erotic comics and even why reading itself is sexy. Again, all stuff very relevant to your interests. I especially wanted to let you all know that the Safe Sex comic art team is running a Kickstarter this March 15th through April 15th, 2021, where you can pre-order the next book, Safe Sex Terms of Service. There's also original risographs, enamel pins, a tier where you can get drawn into a cameo in the book, all that good Kickstarter stuff. You can find that by searching T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N, that's me, or S-F-S-X, Terms of Service, on Kickstarter. 
You can find out even more about the Kickstarter and my work at tinahorn.net. Again, that's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. You can also follow me at Tina Horn's Ass, that's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N-S-A-S-S, on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow SFSX underscore comic on Instagram and subscribe to Wire People Into That wherever you pod. Thanks for listening to this show. Thanks for checking out my stuff. And I hope that we can get coffee together at the next Comic-Con. See you then. The comic of the week is Bug, The Adventures of Forager. Story by Lee Allred and Michael Allred. Colors by Laura Allred. And letters by Nate Piekos. Yay! Yay! This is such a fun comic. That's the review. Truly what this comic is like. It's so fun. This is one of the most fun comics I think that's ever happened. Whenever people talk about, I mean, DC comics, they've been doing that thing for so long where it's just like, how brutal and gritty and gruesome can everything be? And now we have the Robin King who looks like he's in like a death metal band and like all of this like kind of goofy three jokers. Like, you know, it's like all of the grim and gritty all of the time forever at DC And I always think, like, this is the direction that I want DC to go in, where everything is kind of silly and embraces the sci-fi silliness of it, and it's super fun on top of it, and, like, hopeful and has a character that I like, actually, and, like, the plot makes a weird kind of sense, and everything is kind of this homage, but it doesn't feel bogged down by the homage, you know? This is, like, the kind of story that I like to read, I read this so quickly. I was just loving it. I was just like, I cannot get enough of Bug. I love, like you said, the sci-fi-ness of it, right? Because he's kind of like tripping through dimensions, Mm -hmm. like through crystals, through a teddy bear, through a girl who doesn't say very much, but actually like, you know, really grows to love him. And it's just like so cute. It's adorable. It's kind of... Because we just recently talked about Monstrous. It's like the comedy version of Monstrous. <laughs> uh, yeah, it kind of it's is. It's like the adult ends up with the kid and like a, a little cutie pie and some very weird circumstances, you know? <laughs> it's like just so fun. And the colors, Laura Allred, holy crap. Like what a colorist. You know, we talked about her on episode 39 when we really got into talking about the history of women doing comics and interiors in comic books and doing coloring is what I was actually trying to say besides doing comics. Um, And she just blows me away every time. You know, and I know she's going to, and it has no, it it reduces how much she's blown me away by no amount. (laughs) Yeah, she's one of the best colorists in comics working at all. And she adds a lot to Mike Allred's art, right? Like, Mike Allred has this kind of cartoonish, kind of, like, fun, dynamic, action-y style. And he's developed so much since his early days, too. But, like, the way that they've kind of grown together to make this the way that their comics look today, I think, is fascinating and really fun to watch. And it seems like it'd be fun, like, to be that into something with someone you love. I know. Yeah, I remember the first Allred comics I was reading were, like, Madman. So I've been into Mike Allred's work since I was a teenager. So since I was first reading comics, because I remember Wizard Magazine, (laughs) the comic book magazine. (laughs) I used to buy it all of the time because I just didn't know. I just wanted to read more and more and more about comics. It was basically the same as having, like, an internet, like, criticism website or something now. 
Although like, yeah, totally all about like advertising and stuff. But yeah, I remember them always championing Madman, which was kind of this like indie weird comic that he did. And here it's just like Bug is almost like the complete form of Madman or something. It's like all of the themes that I really enjoyed in that and like all of the dynamic action and all of the jokes and the humor and the lightheartedness and kind of the weird sci-fi elements. To me, they all kind of have just matured. And that's like why Bug is one of the best works by the Allreds. Absolutely. You know, and they're so bold with their use of panels, the way that they don't feel you know, help back to be repetitive in any way. And they have people breaking the panel edge all the time or the panel edge gets all topsy-turvy or, you know, they're standing outside of the panel actually because they're between dimensions. Like, it's just so nice. It's such a, it's a comic that really thinks its readers can handle it. And I think that's something that I sometimes get annoyed with with some of the more formulaic comics and, there's all kinds of formulaic comics. I'm not actually talking about anything specific, but I really like the way this comic is like, you can handle a sort of time-traveling, dimension-hopping, former drone person, superhero, question mark, who is fighting bad guys through space with the help of a talking teddy bear. And I'm like, yes, I can handle that. And in fact, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's super fun. And also, I mean, it's fun in a way where it's like, I don't honestly really know what this comic was about. But I was just trying to, I was like, how would, what's the story? And there, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's 100% quest ish, you know, and like has to go through his chaotic existence, but he's totally just going through amazing, weird dimensions and stuff. But it's also based super hardcore in. Jack Kirby's fourth world. So Bug is obviously one of the grunts or whatever of that universe. And they're just like, no, you're special. <laughs> go, go find Orion, the people who are like you and like all of this. And Bug is definitely both really just kind of meaning well, but also just a very existential <laughs> kind of character. who's like, what does it mean? Who am I? It's very much like Madman in that respect. But it's interesting because they take this kind of like quirky, weird concept that's like off the beaten path of the fourth world. But like the fourth world is already such a bizarre <laughs> concept that like it makes this comic that is just so strange and so fun. And it brings in a lot of the characters that were favorites of Jack Kirby, right? Like it brings in Omac, for instance, the classic Omac yes. with like the mohawk and everything, which was so fun to see. And to me, yeah, it's just kind of the extension of Jack Kirby that I like. You know, it's like I see a lot of people take inspiration from Jack Kirby and that rules. But like to me, the way that the Allreds use it is like visually in check. And also it kind of elevates the kind of simplicity of those stories to be genuinely meaningful like a lot of those Kirby stories were. So to me, this just reads like... Mike Allred probably grew up reading Jack Kirby comics like so many people did. And this is kind of the after effect of that in a way is like just so fourth world based and like so cosmic and trippy, but also just like good hearted in a way that we really just don't see in comics that much, honestly. So, yeah, to me, I thought it really stood out for that. Yeah, I I feel like I was just thinking like I I don't I don't know how they got something so philosophical to be so grounded and so heartfelt. You know, it's like there's so much to love in this. And it's 
it's so much about, in my mind at least, Bug learning to see himself as an individual, not just as a part of a collective, but right. then, you know, to then complicate that by being like, well, that doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility, you know, and like with a nuanced take, you know, and again, not all of our superheroes are having those kinds of thoughts. And right. So, you know, and there's just like, I don't know, give me a talking teddy bear that's like, you know, philosophizing about multiple dimensions and like has some kind of domino thing. I mean, oh my God. The dominoes. <laughs> the dominoes. Like, what? What? I don't know. But I love it. I love it. The art's fantastic. The story is, again, like, it's important, but only to the extent of, like, it gives you sort of a through line to get through them, I guess, is what I would say. Like, it's a cool story. But again, like, what we took away is more about the, the sort of individual's journey versus, like, the plot points. <laughs> Like, well, that's how it is a lot of times with Jack Kirby comics, too, right? Like, I love, I love the original Demon series more than I love most things. And yet, if somebody's like, could you describe the plot of one of those issues? It'd be like, which boy enthralls Jason Blood slash the demon to what ends? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really matter because it's all about vibes and it's all about how fun the book can be, right? Because it's like this is one of those comics that really does just kind of leap off the pages. Like you'll love to look through it, you know, flip through it. And yeah, it's kind of this like stroll through all of these things that I really loved about DC mm. comics, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's like high action, high heart, high everything. High me reading it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty pretty accurate. I'm like, look at that groovy background. Yes, yes. When I got to the last panel of the run that we read, I was like, oh, I could do th this for longer. I know. And I don't think we're going to see this story again. I really think that this was pretty much it, you know? Like I said, I feel like DC goes in these directions so often where I'm just like, this is like a little bit more intense than I need my comics to be. And then something like Bug just reminds me of like how it feels to read comics when you're a kid and like mm. it's just so fun and like engaging very very different you know than like the Robin King <laughs> like whatever <laughs> bullshit so like yeah I don't know I it made me feel very nostalgic for a certain kind of comics and it also was so grounded in the present you know that it felt like I was reading something that genuinely is new and has learned from even some mistakes from the past, but also just kind of took it forward and like moved it forward in the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really loved it. It made me feel happy. Like it was a comic that just genuinely made me happy. There's not a lot of complicated feelings around that for me, you know? And so I just, yeah, I'm so glad we read this. I think it's an absolute delight. You can catch it on DC Universe or whatever the new app is. It's called Bug, The Adventures of Forager. 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 We're a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. <laughs>
They're pretty judgy about it, so <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot T C H E S O N C O M I C S at gmail.com. And do you remember there's no I'm bitch? If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.